You know, as uh, we come through this Christmas season, we, we see in many of the Christmas passages of the Scripture, we see lots of names of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and there are many of them throughout the Christmas story. We're going to look at one of them today in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1. But, but just before we read those, I want, to, uh, I want to read to you. In fact, I downloaded a couple of things the other day that uh, just quite astounding to me. All of the different names of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the, all throughout the Scripture. And the reason why that's so fascinating is because it just gives us a very, uh, a very rich and broad view of who the Lord Jesus Christ actually is and, and what he does by all of the names that are given that, that apply to him. Let me just read a number of them to you. I've got several pages of them, not, not, not tiny print, don't worry. But, uh, and they're kind of all in alphabetical order, and then we'll look at our passage here in Matthew 1 in just a moment. Jesus is called our Advocate, 2 John 2, verse 1. He's called the Almighty in Revelation. He's called the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, there in, in Revelation 1 also. He's referred to as the Amen, meaning the final, uh, the, the, the final ending of everything. He's called in Hebrews the Apostle of our profession. In Isaiah, he's called the Arm of the Lord. In Hebrews 12, he's called the Author and Finisher of our faith. In Hebrews 5, he's called the author of our eternal salvation. In Revelation 3, he's called the beginning of the creation of God. In Matthew 12, he's called the beloved son. In Isaiah chapter 4, he's called the branch that's going to grow out of the root of the ground. He's called in John chapter 6, the bread of life. Hebrews chapter 2, the captain of our salvation. 1 Peter 5, the chief shepherd. Luke chapter 9, the Christ of God. Luke chapter 2, the consolation of Israel. Psalm 118, he's the chief cornerstone. Isaiah 9, 6, the wonderful counselor. First, or John 1, 3, the, the, the creator. Romans chapter 11, the deliverer. The little tiny prophet Haggai in the Old Testament, he's called the desire of the nations. John chapter 10, he's the door. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, again, the, the everlasting Father. Revelation 1, the faithful witness and the first and the last. In Isaiah 40, he's called the glory of the Lord. John chapter 10, the good shepherd. Hebrews chapter 4, the great high priest. Ephesians chapter 1, the head of the church. Hebrews chapter 1 also, the heir of all things. Acts chapter 4, the holy child of God. Uh, Mark chapter 1, the Holy One of God. Isaiah 41, the Holy One of Israel. Luke chapter 1, the horn of our salvation. John chapter 8, the I Am. 2 Corinthians 4, the image of God. Isaiah chapter 7, Emmanuel. Isaiah 26, Jehovah, or Yahweh would be the Hebrew pronunciation of that. He's called his name Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, which we'll read in just a moment. Matthew 21, he's Jesus of Nazareth. Micah 5, the judge of Israel. Acts chapter 7, the just one. Zechariah 9, the king. 1 Timothy 1.17, the king of the ages. Matthew 2, the king of the Jews. 1 Timothy 6, the king of kings. Revelation 15, the king of all the saints. 
Isaiah 33, the lawgiver. Revelation 13, the lamb and the lamb of God in John 21. He's called our leader and commander in Isaiah 55. He's called the light of the world in John chapter 8. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelation 5. He's the Lord of all in Acts chapter 10. He's the Lord of glory in 1 Corinthians 2. He's the Lord of lords in 1 Timothy 6. He's the Lord of our righteousness in Jeremiah 23. He's a man of sorrows in Isaiah 53. He is our mediator between God and man in 1 Timothy 2. Malachi chapter 3. He's called the messenger of our covenant. He's called the Messiah in many places, but in Daniel chapter 9. The mighty God in Isaiah 9. The morning star in Revelation 22. The only begotten son in John chapter 1. Our Passover in 1 Corinthians 5. The prince of life in Acts chapter 3. The prince of peace in Isaiah 9. A prophet as he was a priest and a, and, and a king. He's called our Redeemer in Job 19, the resurrection and the life in John 11, our rock in 1 Corinthians 10, the root of David in Revelation 22, the rose of Sharon in, in, in Song of Solomon, our Savior in Luke chapter 2, the shepherd and overseer of our souls in 1 Peter 2, the son of David in Matthew 1, the son of God in Matthew 2, the son of the highest in Luke 1, the son, S-U-N, son of righteousness in Malachi chapter 4 the true light in John the gospel of John the true vine in John 15 the truth in John 1 14 he is the word and the word of God and I should take a deep breath after that Whew. amazing all of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us in the scripture that all reflect all of the different things that he is to us not only at this time of the year, but forever. And I want to focus with you this morning on one particular name, probably the most common, ordinary name of our Savior that's recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to read just a few verses here. Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When God the Father sent God the Son to earth to be the promised Savior, he chose his name. In the Hebrew language, it would be Yeshua, Jehovah saves, or Yahweh saves. In our English translations of the Bible, it is the name Joshua in the Old Testament, it is the name Jesus in the New Testament. It is the most common, ordinary name for our Savior, and it is used over 900 times in the New Testament. And of all the names and titles given to Christ, of which I just read a whole bunch of them to you, this one is the most common, probably the most beloved of all his names. Just think of, of all the hymns that we sing with the name Jesus in the title. Uh, just, just a few of them. All hail the power of Jesus' name. 
I'd rather have Jesus. Jesus loves me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus paid it all. Take the name of Jesus with you. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Safe in the arms of Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. And on and on and on we could go. Why is this the most common name, the most loved name of the Savior of the world? I'd like to share four reasons with you today why I believe that that's true. Four reasons why the name Jesus is the most common and most loved name of all, certainly of we who know him as our Savior. The first reason is this. It's an easy name. I looked this week at an interesting listing of how you spell and pronounce the name Jesus in different languages. Uh, in nearly every language, the name Jesus has a very, very similar sound. You can pick it out. You can recognize it when you're listening to several dozen different languages. You know, there, there are some very, very complicated Hebrew names in the Old Testament. Uh, the prophet Isaiah had a son, and God told him to name him Maher Shalal Hashbaz. That would be a little tough, wouldn't it? You may be familiar with the oldest man in the Bible, Methuselah. It shall be sent, his name means. There's a man in the Bible called Tiglath-Pileser Adonibazak. He was an Assyrian king who's mentioned in 2 Kings 15. You know, Jesus, it's a very easy name. The name of the Savior of the world it flows it just flows right into every language of the world. It's, it's a very easy name for people to say and pronounce and remember. I think the second reason is this. It's an enduring name. The name Jesus is the most well-known name in the history of the world. And it's quite remarkable because uh, as, a, as a pastor named James Francis wrote in a little essay about a hundred years ago, he spoke of Jesus. He said he was born in a tiny village, the child of a poor woman. He grew up in another small village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held a public office. He never gathered an army. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never set foot inside a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did any of the things that usually accompany historical greatness in the eyes of the world. He had no credentials but himself. While he was still a young teacher, the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends, his friends ran away. One of them denied him. One of them betrayed him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a false trial set up by those who hated him. He was nailed to a cross between two real criminals. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his clothing. When he, was, when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the compassion of a friend. Now 20, almost 21 centuries have come and gone. And today, his name is still the most well-known name in history. History has demonstrated that all of the armies that ever marched, all of the navies that ever sailed, all of the parliaments that ever passed laws, and all of the kings that ever reigned, all put together, have not affected this world as powerfully as that one solitary life, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an enduring name. Thirdly, it's, a, it's an exalted name. 
The Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, wrote one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament. I'd like you to turn there, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. I know a number of you are familiar with this passage. We need to review it on a regular basis. Philippians chapter 2 certainly is related to, to the, the Christmas season and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ's name is an exalted name. Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. If you wonder what that verse meant, 5, 6, and 7, it just means that the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to leave the glories of heaven and take on all of the limitations of a human body and come to this earth. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look at verse 9 again. God has exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, which is the name of Jesus at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We either do that in this life or we do it at, at, at the day of judgment. You'd better do it in this life. You don't want to be doing it at the, at, at the day of judgment. But one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Many people today mock the Bible. They mock Jesus. They roll their eyes and giggle about those, those Bible thumpers who are so stupid they think the Bible's actually true and they actually believe all that stuff. They have not the slightest intention of bowing the knee to Jesus. They are going to live their lives as they please and do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. And then one day, they are going to be very, very surprised when they have to face the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people will say, nobody's going to tell me anything, especially not some nut who believes the Bible. Those folks have a terrifying experience headed their way because one day, a day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we can either do it now or we can do it later. Now we can bow before Jesus as our Savior. Later a person will be bowing before Jesus as his judge because the name Jesus is an exalted name as God said. I have given him the name which is above every name. But the name Jesus also, fourthly, is an exclusive name. It's an easy name, it's an enduring name, it's an exalted name, it is also an exclusive name. The Apostle Peter, 
the one who had a panic attack and overwhelmed by fear and intimidation, he, he denied knowing Jesus or being one of his disciples. This same Peter, after he had seen Jesus Christ alive and had been restored and empowered by the Lord, he preached a very powerful message to a very hostile crowd. It, it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 4. I won't have you turn to it at the moment, but in, in one part of the message, if you are writing down the, the, the reference, you want to write down Acts 4.12, fantastic verse. The, 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 uh, the uh, apostle Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said, you want to be saved? You want to be forgiven? You want to be delivered from your sin? You want to be taken to heaven? The only way to do that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name that a person can, that can obtain forgiveness for us. And most of all, you know, John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God the Father except through me. There, there is no one who can forgive sin except the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that you realize that. Jesus is an exclusive name. I can pray for you. I can counsel you. I can try to help you. But I cannot forgive your sin. There is no priest who can forgive you of any church in any place. The Pope cannot forgive you. Joel Osteen cannot forgive you. Anybody, any other famous guy on TV cannot forgive you. Nobody can forgive you and make you right with God except Jesus Christ the Lord. And if you think that church or religion or a ceremony or some emotional experience or good works or baptism will get you there, you have been misled. If you think you are a pretty good person and good enough to get to heaven, you have been deceived. Paul Tripp, who many of you know, wrote a, a, a wonderful essay regarding our, our willingness, that, that, that dark side of our nature. If we, if we think that we are somehow good enough to get to heaven, listen to these words. One of the dark quali character qualities of sin that we don't recognize as much as we should is unwillingness. We're unwilling to do what God says if it doesn't make sense to us. We're unwilling to inconvenience ourselves for the needs of someone else. We are unwilling to wait. We are unwilling to be open and honest. We are often unwilling to consider the loving rebuke of someone else. We struggle to be, will, to, to be willing to say no to our own wrong thoughts and desires. We struggle to be willing to answer God's call to us. Often we are unwilling to admit that we're wrong. Too often we struggle to serve willingly and give generously. Unwillingness is one of sin's powerful damaging results. But the Christmas story is all about this. A willing Savior is born to rescue unwilling people from themselves because there was no other way. Jesus was willing to leave the splendor of eternity to come to this broken and groaning world. He was willing to take on human flesh with all its frailty. He was willing to go through the dependency of childhood. He was willing to expose himself to all the hardships of life in this, in this fallen world. <clears throat> He was willing to do his father's will at every point. He was willing to serve when he actually deserved to be served. He was willing to be misunderstood and mistreated. He was willing to endure rejection and gross injustice. He was willing to preach a message that would cause him personal harm. He was willing to suffer public mockery. He was willing to endure physical torture. 
He was willing to go through the pain of his father's rejection, and he was willing to die. And it's not just at Christmas, the, the Christmas season, but the whole story of our salvation, of our redemption, hinges on the one thing, the eternal willingness of Jesus. Without his willingness, you and I would be without hope and without God. Without his willingness, we would be eternally doomed. And during this season of our Christmas celebration, don't forget to stop and consider and celebrate our Savior's willingness. Because his willingness is our only hope in life, death, and eternity. But even beyond that, the willingness of the Lord Jesus Christ is our guarantee that he is still willing today. He wasn't just willing when he came to this earth and willing to die and willing to do all that he did. He's still willing today. Right here, right now, he is willing to love you on your very worst day. He is willing to forgive you again and again and again and again. He is willing to be patient as you grow and mature. He is willing to battle on your behalf against evil within and without. Right now, He is willing to teach you and minister to you through His Word. He is willing to supply every single one of your spiritual needs. He is willing to be faithful even when you're not. He is willing to empower you when you're weak. He's willing to restore you when you're fallen. He is willing to comfort you when you're discouraged and to protect you when you've stepped into danger. And Jesus Christ remains willing to do everything necessary to feed and guide and sustain and protect you until you reach eternity as your final home. Willing Jesus is the only hope for unwilling sinners. See, his name is exclusive. He is the only one. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10 tells us. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, many of you can quote it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 6.23. For by grace you are saved through faith. Ephesians chapter 2. Salvation is, is a gift from God that Jesus Christ paid when he willingly died on the cross. We can't earn it. We can't do enough good works to get it. We don't deserve it. It is the gift of God's grace that we receive by admitting to God that we're sinners and asking him for his mercy and submitting our lives to him. Then you can know Jesus in the right way, in the Bible way, in the only way that will guarantee our place in heaven. So how do you know Jesus? A number of my friends, unfortunately, only know Jesus Christ as a curse word. They only speak his holy name when they're angry, or when they're disgusted, or when they hit their finger with a hammer. How do you know Jesus? You know, in reading through the Bible, we see Adam knew him as his father. Noah knew him as his refuge from the storm. Abraham knew him as his friend. Job knew him as his redeemer. Moses knew him as his deliverer. King David knew him as his shepherd. Daniel knew him as his lion tamer. Mary Magdalene knew him as her breaker of demonic bondage. Lazarus knew him as the resurrection and the life. Bartimaeus knew him as the light of the world. The apostle John in writing Revelation, he knew Jesus as the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. You can know Jesus as many things. 
But the first thing you must know him as is your Savior. His name will be called Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. His name will be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Do you know Jesus not just as a Savior, but as your Savior? If you don't, I pray this Christmas season, you'll bow the knee to Jesus. And if you do know him, be encouraged afresh, willing Jesus continues to minister to each one of us every day. Let's pray. Lord, there are so many names that you have given us of who you are and what you do and what you have been and what you will be, not only in our salvation, but for all of eternity, Lord, you will be as we talked about last week, our wonderful Counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our peaceful Prince. You are God the Son. You are the Son of God. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. On and on and on we could go with all the blessed names of our Savior. But most of all, Lord, this Sunday, this day, this Christmas season, we thank You that we can call You Jesus. Jehovah saves, Yahweh saves, for you have saved us from our sin. Lord, we are so grateful to, to know you, to have you, to belong to you. Wherever you take us in this coming year, wherever you take us in these next weeks and months, Lord, we trust you, we rely on you, we rejoice in you. Because we know, Lord, this life is not all there is. We have eternity awaiting for us in, on, on the other side. Lord, I pray you'd bless each family that's represented here this Christmas season. I pray that they will keep their, their focus on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for each one of us. Help us, we pray, to be what we should be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>